Hey guys, just a heads up, this episode will feature talk about sex, sexuality, some of it may be mine, <laughs> because we're unboxing something from Body Bookworms, and I'm open about that. If you want to see that full idea, you have to go to Patreon, but I talk about it a little bit on this episode to give you guys a clue in, and just be aware of the topics, and on with the show. Welcome back to Deconstructing Damsels. We have a bonus episode this week. <laughs> it was actually intended to only be one item, which is the unboxing of the body bookworms. But it turns out it's going to be two because I read a really good short, well, 150-ish page book by Erica Ridley. And I loved it and I want to talk about it because I haven't really talked about her before. And she's one of my absolutely favorite historical authors and I'm remiss for not talking about her more so you get a bonus bit uh, I'm gonna put the unboxing at the end so first half will be Don was the Duke by Erica Ridley and then the second half will be the unboxing of body bookworms and I can't wait I've had it for like over a month but I was moving and then there was a whole lot of paperwork I had to deal with and so I just did not have the time to be excited as I needed to be and I wanted to be excited because it was such a bonus gift. So first up let's talk about a book shall we? Oh wait no wait I, I lied. First up let's talk about the fact that we have three patrons now. First up we have D.E. Elms, who I call Dee Dee because I love her dearly. Um, she does an amazing job. She supported it from the beginning, and I'm so very glad to have met her and, and for her to become a friend. And, yeah, I kind of become friends with the patrons. Sorry. Not really sorry. Sorry, not sorry. But what I love about Dee is... D writes these fascinating horrors that I'm not a horror girl, but my husband introduced me to her her work and it's amazing and she and her sister Jade are fantastic and they're wonderful and I I don't think you guys realize how much that that this goes into that. And then of course we have Carrie Purvis, who Carrie as we know actually was just on the last episode when we talked about once ghosted twice shy and i think carrie is fun and she's always willing to pitch in you know she's actually talked to me about doing some stuff more for the pod which is amazing and i just carrie is one of the best and finally we have marlene marlene or Mar yeah I'm sorry, I, part of my head wants to say the American way, and part of it wants to say the German way, and I just don't know. Okay, so relatively new patron, but awesome, because there's constantly feedback, and that's what I crave for this podcast, because I want to make a better product for you guys. Like, I want you guys to be excited to listen, and, you know, giving me constant feedback, talking about what we want to do, I, I can't wait, and I can't wait to get to know her more. 
So I want to go ahead and give everyone their shout outs because sometimes I get a little bit loopy and have to push it on the back end and I mean to put it on the front end because it's me. We expect this, right? Okay. So we know that I am Jessica Hannon, right? I think because you guys have listened to more than one episode, I hope. Yeah. Did I mention that this is Deconstructing Damsels? It's a little bit scatterbrained today, apparently. Okay. One more thing and then we'll get on with it with the episode with the story so i promised you i would read aloud reviews that i got and i noticed one on apple podcast if you guys review me please let me know where you're doing it because i don't have access to a lot of them and i want to talk about them but uh molly 69 said i like your insight into the books you read and you give me some great books to read too keep up the great work and i'm so glad you guys are liking some of the books that i'm recommending i'm glad because i want to I want you guys to enjoy the journey as well. It's not just me, right? So it's a fascinating, happy, joyful moment for me when you guys are enjoying the books that I'm enjoying and when you guys understand what I'm talking about. And that's why I keep saying if you have comments, if you want to do, if you want to like check on on something, if you have a recommendation or something, check out damsel's podcast on twitter that's the fastest way or you can email me but i'm kind of bad sometimes about email because shiny so you know it's a thing so all right if you oh if you want to be a patron it's on patreon.com slash damsel's podcast because everything is damsel's podcast for y'all okay so onto the book i'm so excited about it all right so i should probably put some preferences on this book so Erica Ridley was actually the author I used when I was looking for co-host once upon a time. And then the kind of podcast fell to the side and I kind of forgot that the podcast existed. Whoops. So originally I was going to have a co-host and I was trying out different different books and I found Erica Ridley was a short enough book that we could talk about it, we could get into it, and we could enjoy it. It was just a little bit difficult with the person I was asking about it because it was timing wise and and scheduling wise it just didn't work but I absolutely loved her work and the the Viscount's Christmas Tempting Minx was actually the tryout short and that was how I was introduced to Erica Ridley because it was free on Amazon and you know I'm a big proponent of free or very low cost and there's a reason for that <laughs> it's because not everyone has a lot of money right and i want to make sure that everyone can enjoy what they're reading and so but i fell in love with erica ridley and i would you know pick up her books and they were on sale and i would read this and that i think i have like four or five books on on my kindle which is amazing considering i don't use kindle anymore except for arcs and um dawn with the duke was an arc off of netgalley i will admit that or i yeah uh it had released in august so last month in August 2020, it released. So I'm not sure if it really counted as an arc or what, but I read it and I was just like, oh my God, this is so exciting. And I loved it because Lady Bell was so different from Lady Amelia in the Christmas uh, Minx book. And I, I think that's fascinating because Lady Amelia was like, she's fun. And Lady Bell is very much the opposite, even though they're both ladies. And I just I appreciate the fact that every woman that that Ridley writes has got her own story, her own position, her own world. And I don't necessarily know if people realize that, but I totally do. And I think it's amazing. 
I think it's well established that <laughs> that strong women are a huge influence in the way I, I review things. And when I say strong, I don't mean like the standard strong for everything. I mean strong as in self-worth, self-confidence, self-knowledge, and sometimes strength in learning to let go of the vulnerabilities and let go of everything and to be the person that you want to be versus what people think you should be. Something I think that a lot of women, we we absolutely understand, right? So Lady Bell is the Duke of Nottingvale's sister. And the Duke of Nottingvale, of course, holds the big parties in Christmas, which is referred to as Christmas in these books. And there's something very almost sad about her. I'm I'm sad for Lady Bell because she has very little self-worth, even though she's very proactive and she's energetic and and she's sharp but she's not allowed to be her mother is very controlling and very you know girls should be seen not heard type you know very like private sphere definitely you know going in the more of the private sphere versus the public sphere of uh later on like especially popular during the victorian times but it's it's very interesting to see this happening and you can see how like where the progression starts and oh Apparently, by the way, I just lied. I thought it said August when something released, but it turns out it's actually September 4th, so it'll be releasing right around the time this episode drops. So awesome. The book is set in December of 1814, which is again in the Regency period, and and (laughs) everyone knows I love historicals, especially ones that deal with a lot of things. But anyway, you can see where she feels left out. You can see where, you know, she was born in... 1790 I think somewhere around there which is you know if you've ever read Joe Beverly's world you know that's kind of like the Malorian type and then instead of the Regency and there's this whole difference of of expectations socially but I really appreciate the fact that Belle is trying her best not to fall into gaps but you know, she outright tells her maid that she wants to be given kudos and and to be given the chance to show her mother she should be proud because her mother is not because there are so many rules about this that it's just it's like the way that lady bell isabel is positioned is so familiar as a woman it's you know you you can't make waves you can't do anything you just accept the way that the men are you you take one for the team and you become that person right so there's a really good paragraph in this i think that describes her how was Belle not a countess already? A duchess in her own right. A princess. She'd been bred for this like a bloodlined horse, for God's sake. If a common filly could do as well as it was trained, why couldn't Belle? From the moment she'd failed to be born a male, marrying while had been her raison d'entre, would she cease being a disappointment to her poor mother? Belle shoved her empty breakfast plate away. Mother wasn't here to scold her, and Belle could still heal every word. Dude, I, like, as a... As a woman, I hear my I hear my parents, I hear society. You hear that in your head all the time. Shouldn't be, shouldn't be, shouldn't be, should be, should be. And there's something very real about Belle and her her vulnerability to to falling for this. And I don't know if a man could understand that because it's a very different power power differential on this because women even though we're more of the population we have less rights because the world is made for a man. 
right? It's a man's world, which is what I kind of referred to in the Patreon episode of Prince of Broadway that I did in between these two episodes with uh, Alyssa Cole and now Erica Ridley. But anyway, so it's a common theme, though. It's what you hear all the time. And I just I felt for Belle and my heart hurt for her. And I didn't want it to hurt for her at all. But it did because I understood the problems right away. And her mother has put these things in her head because she said, no, there she went again, being fanciful, thinking when she should not. How many times had mother told her love was a chain binding the lower classes? Duchesses didn't need love. Countesses didn't need love. Marchionesses didn't need love. They needed a powerful husband with deep coffers. They needed an army of servants and countless acres of land and so many residents it would be impossible to visit them all in one year. They needed to glare down their noses at society with their heads held high because they were better than everyone else and everyone knew it. If Belle wanted to make her mother proud, she needed to stalk the marriage mart like a hunter. One didn't leave Beauty B. One mounted its head on the wall in order to brag to all of one's friends. God, that's depressing, right? But it's... It's a very common conversation you see in historicals, uh, especially in earlier ones. I, I definitely think that, like, again, I mentioned Joe Beverly. I, I read her very early on in my grown-up years of reading romance, and historicals was kind of the one that brought me. And it was actually through a friend on LiveJournal. And I'm mentioning that because it's, it's important to notice how far some of these thoughts have been going in my head. <laughs> And this was back when LiveJournal was still going. So this was like early 2000s, maybe 2004, somewhere around there. And you also see in Erica Ridley's other works in uh, Lady Amelia's book, she talks about the marriage mart with the Viscount. And, you know, she talks about all these things. And it's it's something you see. You see that's why people go to Almax and all these other places is to find the perfect spouse. But what I like about Dawn with the Duke is the fact that it doesn't really focus on that. Like it does, don't get me wrong, but it's set in a it's set in a, a coaching inn or a you know a place to to be, a posting house where people can be who they want to be, and she's able to be Lady Lapine because her uh, her maid slash friend because they've been together, they've been friends for so long, even as employees. Uh, Ursula is sick. She has the flu. And so they have to stay in the coaching inn until Ursula gets better. And then they can move back onto Crest Mouth or wherever they want to go. Lady Bell wants to go see her friend Angelica, who does jewelry and makes these brilliant pieces. Anyway, so Lady Angelica's book is next, and I can't wait because I've already got a little bit of a of a preview, and I'm I'm very into it. But in this world, she's a widow, so she doesn't need someone as a companion. Her Her reputation won't be on the line and uh, I uh, okay I hate when that has to be put into a book honestly because I I hate it because it excuses all the men in the book the men do not face any dire consequences right if they go carousing at the end well that's boys will be boys right and then women have to bind and carry and Everything is dependent on on a woman's reputation, and it's such bullshit. <laughs> I mean, honestly. So it's it's very frustrating, and I I wish that the historicals would kind of move away from that because I think it does disservice to the women 
yes, it's realistic, but it also positions them to never have enough power for what they want. Even when they show their power to get the happy ending, it, it's somewhat dimmed, I think. The same way uh, in a lot of historicals when, when you're reading books about virgins and, you know, the man, she's like so tight. And I'm like, y'all, she shouldn't be tight. If she's tight, if she's having problems, there should be a conversation about that. And I just want that to kind of go away, go away, go away. Please, for the love of God, let it go away. Because it, it just does such a disservice, I think, to the women in these stories. And when Belle is at this coaching in the Hoot and Holly, which I love that name, by the way, that was great. When she's at the Hoot and Holly, she meets Calvin. And Calvin McAllister is a tailor. And this tailor bit is important because he wants to design a line of clothing for people to wear already pre-bought. Almost like we do at the store now, right? Like we buy... Calvin Klein, all this stuff, is, but it's buy to wear, not the runway stuff. And he kind of wants to do the same thing for those who can't afford to have a tailor, but still want to look nice. And he wants to call it fit for a duke. And of course, the duke ends up being Belle's brother. But in this, a whole like the the idea of Calvin's is is to have a have a line and have one of the dukes almost wear the clothes but not but to fit the the style of the most in vogue duke at the time and follow along and i i think it's very interesting and i thought it was a very smart way of doing it and it was interesting because his mother had been a dressmaker and you know to all the big people all the the fine you know upper class and once she died he no longer had any clients because you didn't go to a male dresser for a female clothes right you go to a woman because obviously a woman's going to know what a what a woman needs even though he had been doing the clothes in the past and i mentioned all this because he's very clearly competent and i think that's much needed for bell because bell needs someone to remind her she's good at what she does she does watercolors and bless it because she, whatever she's doing in the watercolors, I actually wanted to see them because they sounded great. Like there were scenes and there were like she was helping with, with the book for the for the uh, stuff. And so she was doing all this and you were just sitting here going, this sounds amazing. Right. And I wanted to see her because painting was such an important part of who she was. And she had to be yet another pseudonym in order to find a place in society because Lady Bell shouldn't have all these beautiful things right like she shouldn't have these beautiful things out there as art or whatever because she's that's beneath her or you know she's not smart enough to do it even though she makes really nice photographs and well not photographs but artwork uh, almost like a snapshot but watercolor and it's another thing of like there's a scene where they're talking about her work and Calvin is like, I understood you had not att attempted to publish a collection of your art, not a book. She agreed. I tried to find work as an artist through outline, but all I earned was my efforts was laughter right in my face. He shook his head. A single glance at your art. There were no glances at my art. She explained gently. There were glances at my face, at my gown, at my age, at my name. The men in charge were much too busy to humor whims of a silly young girl. They're lost, he growled. 
Not exactly, she admitted. They're using my work, although they have no idea it's me they employ. A certain reclusive Mr. Brow submits his art by post. And again, there's like so much understanding in that world where, you know, you we've seen it in some of the books that I've covered before, Temptations of a Wallflower, for instance, where women's contri- contributions are not valued and they're considered to be flights of fancy. They're not useful or anything. And I love the way that Ridley put this in here because it shows how much harder it is to try and do things. And in the case of like Angelica, her friend who is a jeweler, she's also black in what heathen bosoms would call England times. And it's not unusual, but it's, it's very hard to move forward in a society that wants to hold you back on multiple levels. And this whole thing talks about that because Calvin is from, he wants to make clothes for the emerging middle class, right? Which, cool, that makes sense. And he's also in that range because he's obviously got very well-tailored clothes. He knows what he's doing because obviously it's what he does, but also it's who he wants to project himself to be. And that's changing a lot of the things that I think that society may be not ready for, but I'm very much looking forward to seeing how Fit for a Duke works in later books. I'm hoping she comes back to it. Women are only guaranteed any kind of position by the grace of the men around them, and that's bullshit. <laughs> but it's it's life, right? And it's very sad to me that that's how it has to be. And I mentioned all of this because they both have very clear goals that they want, but Calvin is able to actually pursue them, whereas Belle does not feel like she can. Later in the book, when Belle is at a crossroads in her mind and Ursula has gotten better, Ursula becomes a best friend. Ursula does exactly what a best friend should do and basically says, why are you letting other people determine your value? Why outside sources can say who you should be. And I think that's really brilliant and it's smart and it's focused. And I, I think that that's the important thing. Like as women, we let other people tell us who we should be. And Ursula just flatly says, don't wait for a hero. Be one. Hallelujah. That's a, That's exactly the message I want out of most of the books I read, honestly. I want the women to be their own hero. I don't need them to be a damsel. I need them to be someone that's strong enough to break the bonds that that are binding them to whatever is, is controlling their life and to say, fuck it and move forward. Never, ever take no for an answer. And that's what Belle had been expecting and taking and experiencing all her life. And I just, I think that Ursula was exactly what she needed to hear in that moment. Because it's what we all need to hear. We as readers need to hear that. We as listeners, if we're doing audiobook, we need to hear that and be reminded that it's okay to want better. It's okay to want to be more than what is expected of you and to be happy within yourself and screw the other people that don't agree with it. Be the person you want to be. Don't wait for someone else to give it to you. And I think that's really strong because in some ways, Belle is very, very centered in the best ways. Because, y'all, there are some really, really intimate and, 
lovely moments in this book where it talks about intimacy in a, in a way that makes sense. Since Ursula, for instance, is no longer able to be a lady's maid for Belle to you know undo her dresses and stuff like that, she ends up having to use Calvin. And she doesn't want to. She she ends up, they create this contract. Anyway, it's this really cool idea. But anyway, they, they have this storyline where he has to unbutton her every night and button her up every morning. Because, well, she can't do it by herself because it's not the clothes are not made for that. And when she does go to him to unbutton, there's these moments of absolutely amazing intimacy. And I want that. And there's a couple of scenes where they talk about him unbuttoning her, her dress. And, oh, <laughs> it's, to me, it's better than any of the, the heatier moments, the steamier moments, because he goes, seven more buttons and he was gone. I'm sorry for your loss, he murmured and unclasped the second button. Did she just lean into his touch? His fingers shook as he unfastened the third button. More of her soft skin was now exposed. He tried not to notice. When the fourth button unhooked, he, the ruffled tip of a chemise brushed against his fingers. Calvin's throat tightened. This felt less like a favor and more like a seduction with every newly exposed inch. Whew. There's a lot of those scenes, too, where he's unbuttoning her. And the sorry for your loss is the Mrs. Lapine pseudonym, obviously. But I, I love the fact that he is very into it in that moment and, and he's aware of it. And the thing is, is so is Belle. Belle is not naively innocent, right? Like, there's a paragraph in here that I, I really think everyone should read. And it's like, she was no stranger to the delicious pressure building inside her. Her fingers had found the spot before and had brought her to the edge and over, but never like this. She felt splayed open and worshipped, vulnerable and powerful. I love that because it's directly talking about masturbation. I said it in the Prince of Broadway episode. I've said it in other episodes. Temptations of a Wallflower is another one. Again, where it's okay to be sexually aware of what you want and what you need. And I love that this book is okay with that. Adore it. I think it needs to be more common. But what I also like is, is consent is super sexy. And the scene where they finally have penetrative sex is so well done and so beautiful in such a short space and it consistently talks about consent and how she openly desires him and i i think that's fascinatingly important and i'm not going to talk about the spoilers of some of the scenes because i'm really trying not to spoil the book since it's new but i think that you should absolutely read it dawn with the duke is amazing i think that it's probably one of the one of the books that holds the standard, but that typically that's Ridley anyway. Like she's one of my standards and I like the time and effort she puts into the characters that she's creating, the world, but also the beauty of it. And I was very glad and lucky that I got the opportunity to read this because it was publishing in September or August, I think. I'm not sure which one, honestly, because two different dates, so I'm a little confused. But anyway, so... I'm very happy. I'm very glad. I would totally rank this as one of the ones to read for this year. It's a good read. You want to keep moving forward. You want to know what happens. You want to know how these people connect. And I think that the way Ridley puts different levels of class together and talks about society, not just a capital S society, 
not you know like the higher ups upper, upper class but like society in general i think it's very very important i i think it's definitely worth a read so totally go out and read this i think you guys would love it and there's a lot of really fun little moments that i think would really appeal to my listeners so that's it for dawn with the duke next up will be body bookworms hold on tight guys I'll be back in a second. Before I come back, listen to this promo for our textual tensions. <laughs> if my body will let me say it right. All right, guys, hold on tight. Hey guys, I'm Margie. And I'm Rachel. And we are the co-hosts of Textual Tension, a love-hate relationship with romance novels. We're just two romantic saps who overthink and overanalyze our favorite genre of literature, the romance genre. Have you ever wondered what you would do if you went over to your significant other's place and they'd made an exact replica of your house in their apartment for you to stay in? Have you ever wondered where the doorway to Atlantis is off of the Florida coast? Have you ever wondered about maybe the science behind time travel and how you can use it to take someone's virginity? Have you ever wondered how a man who kills everyone they touch can still manage to lose their virginity? So have we. So join us every other week as we sit down and explore all of these topics and more as we unpack what just happened. Look for us wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Oh, and we discuss some pretty explicit stuff. As we all know, that kind of pisses me off, so this is pretty cool. So I got the Reckless box. And it's got a letter from the author. And it's got uh, my pleasure pairings, the things I chose, which you'll see in a few minutes. And it's also got uh, information about upcoming books by. And I picked Adriana Herrera's American Love Story, which here's the description. Haitian-born professor and activist Patrice Dennis is not here for anything that will veer him off the path he's worked so hard for. One particularly dangerous attraction, Easton Archer, the assistant district attorney who last summer gave Patrice some of the most intense nights of his life and still makes him all but forget their two completely different worlds. For the first time, Patrice has attempted to open up and embrace the happiness he's denied himself. But as tensions between the community and the sheriff's office continue to grow by the day, Easton's personal and professional lives collide. And when the issue at hand hits home, gets closer to home than either could imagine, they have to work to forge a path forward together. How freaking good is that for right about now? Like, that's the most on point, and this was written a while back, but as we know, that doesn't always matter, right? So I'm really happy that I picked it, because I've been wanting to read this book for at least a year since it came out, but it was just always just out of reach, because I was either working, or I was moving, or... It was too expensive because Patreon pays for a lot of things, but it actually doesn't pay for most of the books I use. It actually pays for things like site maintenance, making sure that everything is paid up, you know, making sure everything is as it should be. So, and things like guests when I have to have specific things to put it together. So when all that comes through, I was just absolutely giddy. So I'm not going to tell you about the quickie item yet because I want to show you the book because it's a paperback and I haven't had a paperback in a while. Paperback. I love paperbacks. 
I, I like my e-reader, don't get me wrong, because I can have notes everywhere, but I like paperbacks too, because sometimes I want to feel like I did when I was like 20 and getting right back into romance. So this is really helpful to me. And I love it because um, I've wanted to read Herrera's work for a while, and she's got a couple of other things coming out soon. Um, she's got one, again, that just came out, and she's also got another one that will be in a... I think it's going to be in a um, collection of stories that's going to have a Latinx uh, characters. And I say that because I'm not really sure. Uh, I don't remember where in Latin America they're from. Uh, the women. I say them, but I mean the women. Um, but there's also the, the follow-up kind of this is, as his 26th birthday approaches, Desta Joy Walker finds himself in Addis Adabi. Ethiopia, the one place he's never been, he's actively been avoiding most of his life. For Desta, the East African capital encompasses some of the happiest and saddest parts of his life. His first home and the place where his dad died. When an unavoidable work obligation lands him there for 12 weeks, he may find a chance for the closure he so desperately needs. What Desta never expected was to catch a glimpse of his future as he reconnects with a beautiful country from his family's past. Elias Baruku has never met an opportunity he hasn't seized, except, of course, for the nine life-changing ones he stubbornly ignored for the last nine months. He'd be a fool not to accept the chance to pursue his doctoral studies in the U.S., but saying yes means having to leave his homeland, and Ilias isn't ready to make that commitment. Meeting Desta, the African, uh, the Dominican-American emergency relief worker with easy smile and sad eyes, makes Ilias want things he's never envisioned for himself. Rediscovering his country through Desta's eyes emboldens Ilias to reach for a future where he can be open about every part of himself. But when something threatens the future that's within their grasp, Elias and Desta must put all their love on the all on the line for love, which I love that. I, I like it because uh, Herrera writes a lot of male-male, and I I like that because sometimes in Romance Landing we forget to, to talk about that, but I really can't wait to read that one as well. There's a lot of heart in what she says, if you follow her on Twitter, she's a badass. Like, she's always on the front lines talking about things that maybe a lot of us, and I'm going to say this very plainly, the white women in the community ignore. And I appreciate being given that opportunity to, to learn. And I think that I'm actually going to learn a lot from American Love Story for that reason, because I can't relate on a deeper level the way that someone else can. So, all that said, time for the toy. Which, I don't know if you guys have figured out, I really enjoy these kind of things. I don't talk about the sex on the podcast very much, but I do enjoy it. I just, you know, it's kind of one of the things I, I kind of breeze through and I talk about it because the women are a little bit more important to me. But I think, you know, sex can be really a smart enhancement of a relationship. It can bring a lot of intimacy and closeness that you sometimes don't always get, which my husband will verify. Because we've had conversations before. Okay. Go. Okay. Before we end this episode, I wanted to talk about the new logo. I wasn't sure if it was going to be premiering when I created this episode or not, so I didn't talk about it in the beginning. But in between all of this back and forth as things happen, turns out, woohoo, it was ready. So, I wanted to create a logo that was a little bit more fun, not quite as easy to 
make because I made the first logo as kind of a quick fix and I never fixed it because I actually like it. I love the colors. I love the idea. As I thought it was fantastic. But I wasn't happy with it after a while. So I went through Fiverr and I found someone named Reich underscore studio who I totally will recommend. He was really easy to work with. And I created something that was a little bit more with what I wanted. I actually have three logos. I have one in reserve. I have the one with the ball gown with the red ball ground that I loved. And I also have one that's just for Patreon and it'll come in just through Patreon. So it's that one is only available to people that order through Patreon. And I did all this because I just I felt like it was time for a change and I like the idea of a stack of books and like the, the damsel standing on it because there's, there's this kind of ability to go up higher and higher and higher as we discuss and what we define and what we enjoy and I mean obviously you love books if you're listening to this podcast right right. So there's no question there. And I wanted them to be kind of scattered a little bit and kind of like not all bound up, almost like a tipping stack. And if you look at some of the examples that I have, you can you can definitely see it more. I'm really proud of it. I I know it's a little bit different. I know it stands out a bit. And I wanted it to premiere soon because we have a merch store. And I will put the links in the episode notes below, but it's tpublic.com slash users slash damsels podcast and you can find the new logo and the old logo there's stickers there's magnets there's pin buttons all kinds of stuff so i kind of wanted to create more access for everybody and to have things that maybe you wanted to have i didn't really know i kind of guessed If you guys think I should add something or take something away, please let me know. Oh, yeah, there's travel mugs because I love the mugs. I I usually get them from another website, but they're the exact same mugs, and I love those mugs. But anyway, I just kind of wanted to create something new and kind of a, a new idea. And I'm hoping I can use the third logo as a special logo occasionally and the Patreon logo is particularly pretty, I think, and I kept it because I felt like it was more fancy, <laughs> oddly enough. So I hope everyone will, A, go to the Tee Public store because when this premieres, it'll have about, I think, two days and you can get 20% off. Uh, so that'll be the end of, I don't know, I don't do my days. But I think it's the 7th. I think it's September 7th. Somewhere around there because I don't know what day it is anymore. Anyway, so I hope everyone likes it. (laughs) I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I know it's a little bit longer than normal, but I kind of wanted it to be and I wanted it to be a little bit different. And I I really want to thank you guys for listening. You know, this isn't our usual episode. It's kind of like a mishmash and I hope you enjoy that. Thanks so much. 2020 sucks right now, but take the time to enjoy one single moment for yourself that has nothing to do with anyone else. It's just an appreciation that's for you and you can find your place. Bye guys. Mm-hmm.